This is the Enneagram 8 Podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. Well, the first thing you would notice is an easy arrogant pride. It's not like a pump-up arrogant pride. It's more, yeah, I enjoyed doing that, and I did this. (laughs) I call it big cat energy, like a lion. Like, you know they're there, and they're taking up space, but they're lounging. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good way to do it. In fact, I had a little card that was given to me with this cat that had a gold chain on and was playing cards. (laughs) And another one was a little boxing kitty that had a pink hoodie on. And I I love pink hoodies with boxing gloves. And people give me those types of cards. In an archetypal way, we know how we relate to people and how they impact us. Tri-type refers to a 27-point typing system that is an advanced and more specific application of the Enneagram. It was created and coined by Enneagram teacher Catherine Favre. Tri-type is based on Catherine's theory that while individuals primarily use one Enneagram type as their core type, everyone actually uses three Enneagram types, one in each center of intelligence. The head, 5, 6, and 7. The heart, 2, 3, 4. And the gut, 8, 9, and 1. These three types are used in a specific, oscillating, repeating, and hierarchical stacking order that merge to create a more specific focus of attention and a new type unto itself. After extensive research with tens of thousands of international participants, it has confirmed that each tri-type archetype is made up of the character traits of the three types within. These traits within the tri-type combine to create 27 unique tri-types, each with its own set of wings and lines of connection, core values, needs, fears, and concerns that include a specific focus of attention, idealized image, core triggers, core fears, desires, blind spots, sense of purpose, and growing edge, adding significant precision, accuracy, and scope to the Enneagram typing process. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, why you got into tri-type? Well, I'll just try to condense it. Yeah, I was made a manager at 20. They thought I was 29. And <laughs> it was the first year they couldn't ask your age or when you went to college or any of that. And AIDS can be very age progressed. Yeah. Kind of be confident. And I had flown to Europe when I was 12, but I had to go to Newark, collect my luggage, get a cab, and then get over to Kennedy and fly to Switzerland by myself. No one helped me. No <laughs> one got luggage. Because AIDS have that arrogant pride. We really like doing that sort of thing to prove we can do it. And we like to be able to tell people after the tough thing that we did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when they asked me, like, if I could travel, because this job required travel, I said, well, do you consider this as being able to travel? And then who could deny that? (laughs) (laughs) And they didn't find out my age until I wanted a day off. And they said, oh, my friends are giving me a big party. And they said, oh, is this the big 3-0? And I go, no, this is the big 2-1. <laughs> but when they promoted me before this, they said that I took care of things. I took charge. I got things handled. I was efficient. But they wanted me to take management training classes because I needed finesse. Mm, Now, I was in the cosmetic industry, and it's a pretty brutal industry. 
Yeah. And you do need finesse and to get orders passed. But I never had a problem because I was so straightforward and I always delivered on my word. But it made my counterpart in New York just a little uncertain of what I might do. Guess what (laughs) type they were. (laughs) So I took mass quantities of classes for the rest of my life. And as a result, I learned many, many typologies or way to work with people. And I integrated that with everything that I did. A sexual 874 was promoted to be the head of Lancome L'Oreal Nestle, that whole conglomerate. And he saw what I did and some events that I created. So when he took over, he came and visited the U.S., came to our conference, and then he wanted to check a couple of places in the country. But then when he heard about what I was doing with personal empowerment and with the color there, you give me a system, any system, and I'm going to be interested. He came out to San Francisco. He sat through the whole thing. But he said to the U.S. boss, so you got to get her to come to New York. And he said, yeah, no, we've asked her. She won't leave her son. You know, she has a young son and her husband had a law practice. And he said, oh, we'll get him a firm. Of course, that was not what my (laughs) husband wanted to hear. Anyhow, he said, no, no, we've offered that too. Because it's so much like Hollywood that they do have those connections. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like when I'd go to dinner, I had to go to New York every month. And when we'd go to dinner with my U.S. boss, We'd be in exclusive little places where they'd custom make and keep wines just for them. And then in that room, it wouldn't be very big, but they'd be filled with famous people. You were probably not impressed or starstruck in any way. I know. (laughs) We're immune. (laughs) It's more socials that are tracking the hierarchy. But what I was tracking is, well, this is power. (laughs) You can get what you want when you want Your wine is there, your whatever is there. That was impressive to me. But the people weren't. In fact, I met a lot of them because they all went to the same restaurants. So they knew each other. And they could just show up by themselves and sit at the same table. And it it was intriguing to see them in their own element rather than acting the persona. Because we all have personas. The Enneagram answered a lot of things that people in the Myers-Briggs community were trying to name. But with both systems, in my opinion, and I even certified with Myers-Briggs many years ago, what we don't want to do is overly describe a type because people always say, but I'm not that, but I'm not that, but I'm not that, if they're six. And (laughs) they'll say, well, I can be that. Yeah, you know, I've done that too. And then, as I said, the two six nine will say, "Well, I'm pretty sure I'm a two, but how can I know for sure?" And people tease me because they think I'm just going after sixes. <laughs> I'm not. I'm trying to help. Well, I guess I am going after them. No, I'll validate to, your points. <laughs> I'm trying to help them because they can go years without knowing their correct type. And it's heartbreaking because if they just had that formula, their anxiety would have gone down earlier. They wouldn't have to try and mistype as other types and keep changing it. 
because it's better to go with the idealized image, the mm-hmm. core fear, and the defense strategy. Now, passions, fixations, convictions, holy ideas and virtues and holy convictions, those are all important, but not for typing. You only need those three for typing. So having said that, when I did my first body of research, it was in 1994 after I attended the first Enneagram conference. And I realized there was a very large cross-section of people who knew the Enneagram. I think there were like 1,300 people, maybe more or a little less, but definitely those who studied with different schools of thought. So to me, that was magic because I'd already done research on empathy and taught it to my those who reported to me because I wanted everyone to have a chance. <laughs> I taught them personal empowerment. And like the buyer of the store would say, wait, Catherine, what did you do in that training? All I'm teaching them sell through. <laughs> and she said, but they're talking about personal empowerment. I said, yeah. If you feel empowered, you can sell what you believe in. And the way to believe in it is to know it and understand it. (laughs) Okay. But what I'm trying to say is that that led me on this path of wanting to know more and more and more. But at that conference, I got a bunch of emails from people. I saw the difference between those that had learned the Enneagram through one channel And those who'd learn through another, those who knew some of the subtypes and those who knew nothing about the subtypes. And as a result, we organized the first IEA conference, and I was on that committee, around these differences. And what came out of that was that we absolutely had to include Naranjo's subtypes to get the subtleties. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, anyone that was emotional would be placed at four. Right. And because if you go with the overly stereotyped types, and if eight has four in the tri-type, they'd be made a four. (laughs) And if eight had six, they'd be made a six. So it really, really is critical to understand the tri-type and the subtypes. And that's how much came into being. So when I saw that, I realized that I had to keep going. It wasn't just The one study, which was originally the internal experience of type, and I had been teaching nine years then later when I met Naranjo. I had three certifications, three studies, two books, and then I met Naranjo. He filled in all the blanks because he had a lot to do with the details. But having said that, what I noticed was that if you didn't understand the structure And really the definitions of these different ways of looking at the Enneagrams, then you'd miss the most important thing. And it's not what you do, but why you do it. And you have to see evidence of the defense strategy. So it's very natural to mistype for that reason, especially if you're a six or a nine. Well, given that we run an eight podcast, would you just take us through what would you look for in an eight? What are the hallmark idealized image, the core fear and the defense strategies that you would pinpoint? You'd go, yeah, that's eight. Well, the first thing you would notice is an easy, arrogant pride. 
it's not like a pump up arrogant pride. It's more, yeah, I enjoyed doing that. And I did this. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I call? I call it big cat energy, like yeah. a lion. Like, yeah. you know, they're there and they're taking up space, but they're lounging. Yes. It's a good way to do it. In fact, I had a little card that was given to me with this cat that had a gold chain on and was playing cards. <laughs> and yeah. another one was a little boxing kitty that had a pink hoodie on. And I, I love pink hoodies and with boxing gloves. And people give me those types of cards. Right. It's like, in an archetypal way, we know how we relate to people and how they impact us. We don't always know the way we impact others, but they certainly have an idea whether they're <laughs> accurate or not in their interpretations, another story, but they'll see the behavior. But <laughs> having said that, you're right, but it's nonchalant. <laughs> There's no explaining. Like if yeah. someone needs to explain, no. Wait, let me give you several paragraphs of why I, I'm on this podcast or why I need to have this session. Another way is that if they have this. <laughs> oh, the like quirked eyebrow? For the muscles to do this, you had to have experienced sadness. And the sixes, will, they'll do this. What? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Maybe. Oh, yeah. they do it so much. It's like a caterpillar walking across their face. And why is that? Because just like any other muscle, oh, so good. if we develop it, yeah. it stays developed. Yeah. It might not be as good, like when I keep <laughs> micro expressions. And maybe not appropriate. kind of practicing <laughs> some of these gestures because I don't use them. But yeah. disgust. I never have to work on that. Disgust is the most common emotion that can be seen mm -hmm. on the face of an eight. And the way Ichazo taught type eight, he called the whole system proto-analysis. It wasn't called the Enneagram. Naranjo changed it to the Enneagram to differentiate and not violate Ichazo's copyright. This is what Naranjo told me anyhow. And I think it's true because when I met with the Arikans and went to that intensive and lived on Maui for a year, they were all in agreement with that, that he had never violated any of Achazo's copyright. So back to what I'm saying, there's just a way that the six will check, double check, and the counterphobic six will mistype as an eight, but they hesitate first and they know their tendency to submit. And they don't like it. So they go all tough. Like my best friend is a six. And when she's stressed, she's counterphobic. She'll start kind of like knowing what she's going to do. And <laughs> okay, what's going on with tough girl? Another hallmark of eight is we tease and it's actually endearment. Yes. We don't bother teasing people we have no use for. No way. So yeah. it's really helpful <laughs> to understand that. We don't have the the witty sarcasm mm -hmm. of the seven or the self-deprecating humor of the six. We have our own kind of humor depending on our instinct. Some people can't take it, right? It's um I'm gonna oh. say I run into a lot of problems with my ones. They're too serious. And yeah, I, they're too I'm serious. not being serious. Like it's, yeah. it is endearment for me. Like you said, I wouldn't waste my time. Yeah. They weren't important. 
why waste the energy? Mm-hmm. You just move on to something more interesting. Yeah. And even my humor feels like roughhousing. Like it's a really, even a blunt kind of humor. And some people literally feel like I'm manhandling with my humor. Tease my sister about things before that I'm totally not, (laughs) like that are completely untrue. And she will turn it to me and say, you are saying those things because deep down you believe that's true. And I'm like, no, I'm really not. You're open to this. I just was being funny. They think there's a deep-seated feeling, and I understand why people would project that on to the ape. What's confusing is the ape has, like, a resting face that looks like, (laughs) don't mess with me. You're going to regret messing with me anyhow. We don't have that, like, resting smile face. I have to try. I have to really work at it if I I want to do it. Safe. It looks yeah. stupid on me. I, and it hurts. My smile muscles hurt because See, I think if it's that's, not genuine, it actually hurts I me. think with the social piece, it's easier. <laughs> yeah, no, it is because the social instinct of aid is looking for friends and foes. If you're not for me, you're against me. Yeah. So the unaware aid is saying, yeah, out because you have to be for me or right. your problem. And you can go do whatever you want. Just we can't be in relationship. Now, when apes learn about the Enneagram, they realize that part of themselves. And the sexual ape is always looking at how to create closeness because the sexual instinct wants closeness. The sexual has merged kind of closeness and love, sex, love. It's not enough to just enjoy a good dinner or a great conversation. It has to be meaningful. Now, people say, wait a minute, that's four. Well, he wasn't wrong because two years later, I ran a study just on intimacy. And I'll be darned, the eights who knew nothing of what Narano and I had talked about all said some version of what did they want in intimacy? Long discussion, deep discussion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when I interviewed them, they shared it's because the other stuff just doesn't mean anything. So it's not like the four, I must have meaning. But if, you, if you're an eight with four in the tritype, that matters. But the eight just wants to get at the root of something yeah. and understand what makes people tick. And you do not have to be a sexual for that. It's just eights. They're curious about people, not like a head type. It's like, okay, what happens if I kind of push on that? <laughs> it's like, it's a biggest, physical curiosity. The biggest thing I noticed the difference between us is we both don't do small talk, but I want to make connections. So when I'm when meeting new people, I can't small talk with you. I will go right into real things, but I'm always looking for a common connection. Do you, did you, oh, your kids go to school here. Oh, you live here. I know these people. Do you know these people, right? There's always that connection. And then we can get into real conversation. I want to know your soul. (laughs) Here's what's really important is that the socials are best at the interview overview. Oh, yeah. And that's what you just described, where what do we share in common? Common ground, commonality. And socials want a bond as well. 
But the sexuals are talking about a whole different yeah. kind of bond. Yeah. Hair yeah. bonding. Yes. Matching. Well, it's fusing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I've never worked well in a group. It was always just one friend that I was very close to at a time. And a lot of times the eight likes lots of people because it's stimulating. But, but having said that, the eight usually has sexual eight, that close friend. And then you kind of go as a pair to these different events or the group event. Even if you go talk to other people, met your friend there. It's it's not real until a a sexual subtype talks about it with an intimate. So it's it's fascinating. Good points, both of you, because you've just described the friendly bond based on common ground of the social. And you just described what the sexual needs and then what self-pres needs is comfort. So with respect to aid, the self-pres aid is focused on their stuff. And if they like beautiful stuff because they have three or four in the tri-type, then they have magnificent things. And if they have the money, and they have all the stuff that we would assign to type three. And threes could have it too. But with the eight, it's about freedom and enjoying the good life and going and doing and having everything you want when you want it. Now, threes do it because it's part of their image. And if the eight has three in the tri-type, there'll be definitely versions of that. Another thing that's important is to understand countertypes. And that's how people mistype as eight. And with the three instinctual types of eight, there's one, what I called stereotype, and Naranjo then called archetypes. So he noticed beginning in late 71, when he started teaching the Enneagram himself, he noticed that there were certain qualities that would give him a snapshot of a type. So if someone came in cynical and making expressions and doubting, he would know they were six right away. I asked Naranjo, I said, had he noticed that there was a stereotype of each type, overly simplified, by the way, we all know them, and two countertypes, but that they were in a stacking order. So during my research, that first body of research, it was on the internal experience of type. But I was trying to understand subtype. I started to notice that many people really identify with three types. It was just too frequent. And I wanted to think, oh, they just don't know how to type themselves. Yeah. And that can happen with the six or nine. But they would also have people telling them, no, you're a three. No, you're a six. No, you're a nine. But what was noteworthy, it was never the same center. And when I was doing my research, I found that there could be four possible types, but the two that were in the same center were generally the wing they identified with. But when there were lexicon use, adjectives, defense strategies, and mechanisms of a type they had no connection to, I knew it was meaningful. And what people 
most people do not know is that the Enneagram was taught as a trialectic system rather than dialectic. And that's why you can't have one wing or the other. You always have both. You have your type and the wing and back and wing and back and wing and back. And simultaneously, it's also going to this line and back and this line and back. And in total, that makes nine. Everything, it's a ninefold pattern. So it looks like a piston. I can't do it at once, but it's going. (laughs) And if you just can imagine it, it's what propels the types on this continuum. And if you think of it as a globe rather than a flat surface, it makes it better. But back to counter types, the obvious stereotype of eight is the self-present. Nobody disagrees. But sometimes the strong five that has eight in the tri-type will think they're the self-pres eight because in the early definitions that were actually incorrect were fives (laughs) or sixes that thought they were eights. And what we have to look at is the career. Like, what do they do and why do they do it? And there can be people with eight in the tri-type that can seem like an eight, but eights are very, 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 very rarely an introvert. And when they are, it's just a few points. Uh, The function isn't really far apart. You still need to go with those few points when you settle on the MBTI, but I could go into a whole nother thing about that and I won't. Because they, they also are overly describing what the MBTI types are. And as a result, people can't find themselves. Whereas 30 years, 40 years ago, when I was teaching it, it was easy to see these differences. And now it's gotten complicated. So with the self-present, they just kind of want their stuff. And they're really, they could be the owner of a junkyard and be and just have their their nuts and bolts, and they wouldn't care. Or they could be on the Riviera. And I've known both. And they really care about how they dress and how they look. And that can just be a vanity gene. You do not have to lead with a heart type to care about your appearance. Because just like the warrior gene and the empathy gene, there are factors or childhood intelligence all these things are going to be much more available to us. So we'll put the self-present aside. But the stereotype is the big masochistic self-present. And there are self-presents that aren't big, but they're, you don't want to mess with them. I'll tell you that much. And they're, you know, kind of affable in their own way, but they're grumpier. They're like, (laughs) but then they'll really do extraordinary things. Like I had a a client that everyone didn't know what she was. And then when I came to her, I mean, I knew she was a self-president. I said, share with everybody how you are generous with your resources and supplies, but your rules around it. And she said that she had an open cabinet policy that she would have plenty of goods, meaning flour, rice, the essentials. And if someone needed something, they could go and take it. But if they ever took advantage, nope, you can't get anymore. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just so matter of fact, and they're not as 
gregarious. They're not as interpersonal, but they're good people mm-hmm. and they can be quite funny. The counter type that's the most obvious with the eight is the social because they're looking for alliances and you have to be friend a lot of people to have enough resources. I have one friend that when I met him in the Enneagram community and the little phone, he had, I think at that time, maybe 4,000 people, their type, their right type, their wing, and their everything <laughs> all in there. And then everybody on their birthday that was on Facebook, he'd write Whoa. an email. That's committed. So they're, they're friendly. They want a positive report. The way they look at it is if they need something, he happened to have self present there too. If he needed a, an architect, there'd be one in there. If he needed a party person, that did, <laughs> there'd be a person in there for that. And also getting a deal because AIDS come in. Oh, you were about deals. <laughs> She's about deals. <laughs> but it, it's the connections, right? It is the connections. It's based you know, someone- on the, the rapport that you mm-hmm. have. Because actually the word connections, one of the tougher words, because all twos want connection, all sexuals want connection. We're just describing it differently. Yes. Right. Yeah. And the two is trying to be in positive rapport with everyone. So they use it the most. But the friendly bond, social bond is what the social aid wants. But you're a friend until you cross them. Then you become the foe and everyone's a friend or a foe. You're either in the circle of care or you're out of the circle of care. And they're just an obvious variable from the stereotype of the kind of grouchy self-present. The sexual hate is a countertype too. And let me go back up why this is important. The self-pres eight has the fear of the eight, which is of being betrayed, controlled, manipulated, and at the mercy of injustice. So let's just say that's all eights. But with self-pres, it combines with fears of not having enough resources, not having food, shelter, clothing, time, energy, and money. And that's why it's shaped that way and they match. And the center itself is self-press. So we get when someone is like a heart type and they're a sexual heart type because they match. And it's social in the head center because that matches. What people don't know is that Naranjo based his subtypes on Ichazo's definition of the centers. Now he used the word instinctual triads for the centers themselves. Naranjo didn't. Why? Didn't want to violate his copyright. So Naranjo went and used universal in the public domain terms. And he used the Enneagram because Gurdjieff, it was out there. The symbol dated back to antiquity. No one could own that. And that's why the proto-analysis was not used, but also why he came up with using Achazo's very specific way of looking at these three triads 
So Naranjo hypothesized were all these people that had issues and struggles that were more than just their ego type. So what was taught about the Enneagram is your ego type, and there were names for each one of those based on what you do. So the two was ego flat, which meant ego flattery, meaning how can you make sure people like you? Because the two needs to be liked. The two, six, and seven don't feel right if they're not liked. So they flatter. It's the quickest way to build rapport with someone. And it doesn't have to be sickening flattery. It's a very good defense strategy. More people need to have it. I had to learn to do it because I think, oh, they already know. Oh, that looks good. No big deal. But for some people, it is a big deal and they need to hear it. So I taught myself to notice or say it if I noticed rather. So with the social, it's that same fear of betrayal, being controlled, manipulated and harmed at the mercy of injustice combined with the social fear of being cast out, unacceptable, without merit. And biologically, we have a biological imperative to dread that and feel incredibly anxious because it meant certain death. You didn't have the shared protection of the group. You wouldn't have something over your head if you were cast out. So it's very real for each instinctual type because they all go back to biological imperatives. Like the self-pres is worried about what could happen to their body. The social is worried about whether and how they would survive without the benefit of others. And people say, oh, well, I, you know, I'm antisocial. You can still be social because it's where your attention goes. And then last but not least is the countertype in eight of the sexual. So the eights focus on betrayal, the mercy of injustice, being harmed, controlled, or manipulated, merges with the need for union fusion to be one with your mate, to dissolve boundaries, like the gut boundaries, and be one. Now, you can look at all of these in terms of the words that Naranjo applied to each instinct. Self-pres, satisfactory survival. That's double survival issues. Social, then it's, he he liked to call the, the social, the soapbox uh activists. But even nines can do that. You know, be quiet and easy and then suddenly they're triggered and then they say something and they seem like an eight and then they go quiet again. But with the eight, you know, friends and foes gives a really good picture of where the attention is going. With sexual, on the other hand, it's called possession surrender. So the dichotomy, and in one way, it could even be a stronger Countertype because how do you hold on to autonomy, which is what the eight needs, and surrender control to another person? Well, you'd have to really, really be in sync with that person. Yeah, that's why it's so rare. It's so rare. I talk a lot with our eights about how heart achy it is because you're longing for, I call it like an energy that people give off. And when you find it, because it almost never happens. You want it so much and sometimes you can't have it because either you're already paired 
and you happen to have found a boy that's a friend and you can't bond with them that way. So we had a few eights with that problem. Um, or it's a, a girlfriend who then moves across the country and it just, it kind of breaks your heart because it doesn't come around very often. And you know, the sexual's looking for the same wavelength. And so wherever the sexual, and it's just amplified with eight because yeah. the eight needs a lot of closeness. You can't have it be just one person either because you can't be left without. So there's usually a point person wherever you are. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, they might not be the top point mm-hmm. person, but like in every business I would go into, there'd be someone where oh, we yes. could shut the door and then talk about real things. Exactly. I, I'm the hub. <laughs> like yeah. I'm the common denominator and then there's spokes. Yeah. And so it's looking for that nini, nini, yeah. nini. It's, when it's not there. Like I once did this course, it was a small number of people, but there wasn't a single sexual subtype. Mm. And I thought, hmm, it makes a difference. So I called my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Tell my friend what I was experiencing. Whereas normally in an intensive, there's someone that's kind of on the same wavelength. So that's why there are two countertypes. And it just was that one situation at that conference where people got the impression there was only one. And then other times he might mention a countertype here, a countertype there, but he never formally went into disseminating them that way. But I just want to say that because it makes a huge difference with eights mm-hmm. because the sexual aid is like, what? You care about that kind of closeness and the social aid. Okay, that they can kind of get that because the social aid can want to hold court. Yeah, we started to learn a little bit about the triads, the Hornavian, and oh, there was a few. There were three different triads. The reaction triad. I'm not sure who coined those, but um, oh, that's where we Ted started. To see. Okay, okay. They show the amplification really well, because then you see how um, if you have all three rejection numbers, my goodness, right? And so some of the tri-types are triple rejection. Some of them are... Yeah, just like, oh, that's one of the courses I teach. <laughs> yeah, so good. Triple yeah. focus. And oh really, what it's mentioning is so important, because with your tri-type, it's like what comes together and... What people did not understand about tri-type is they thought they just had to choose a type in each center that they identified with or related to. No, you might not even see what you're well, doing. That, that was when, wait, I, at the beginning of our podcast, I tri-typed as an eight two seven, And then as we learned more and more, and I used language and we spent a lot of time together, Joe was, kept saying, this is not Two la- this is three language. I'm like, yeah, this is three language. Well, I'm going to throw something out. I see the social language, which yeah. is very three-ish, by the way. Yeah. But I'm seeing the two. Well, maybe. Because you keep talking about connection. Right. And the social subtyping. And here's the other thing that evolved in my research is that I wanted this really elegant, you'd have one type, you'd have the stacking of your types and the stacking of your instincts. And then it was a pipe dream. Once you know all the basics, you can see wonderful patterns. So it'd be socially. 
And then if you were three, you'd have to relate to social three, not the other threes. Okay. Social two is one of those anomalies where they're really strong, dynamic people. And they were left out of the dissemination of the Enneagram. <laughs> and they need to be brought back in. Because if you look around, where are the twos? They're not just chaplains and people that are subservient to others. They're strong, dynamic people. I guess that's the part I don't relate to is the need to constantly do for other people, right? Like if you're in my circle, you're in and I will move anything to do whatever you need. But if you're not, I'm not, I'm not interested in just looking for the people who are in need. I'm like, where's the the group dynamic of some group that needs help? And I will jump in in a very big way, but I'm not, unless you're in my circle, the one-on-one isn't important to me. Yeah, and the sexual is very different from the social. But if you look at the social seven, the social eight, and the social two, and then the tri-type bringing out that, what you see is the eight is strong. The seven is more of a willing to, in order to get a claim and validation and affirmation, they will do something. They'll work hard. So they're called the martyr, but they're not like a martyr martyr. Really, martyr is more the unhealthy too that's saying, well, I did this. But every type is wonderful and every type's a mess. It's just what kind of wonderful and what kind of a mess. So like in terms of the triple focus, if we take the three, seven, eight, for example, you lead with eight, And I called them the mover shaker. Now, the names are important, too, because what happened is people like names. And I hypothesized 27 different names based on what I saw. And then without them knowing it, I asked people to tell me what name they related to for their tri-type. And then they'd send in names. And when they described something like a can-do person mover shaker, we were good. But if the three didn't like that word, and they wanted something else, and the seven didn't like that word, it was a problem. So the one word that all three types would agree on with the three, seven, eight was the mover shaker. Now, just as a point of reference, if you look at the two, seven, eight, that's someone that follows their own muse. Now, the social wants to see what's happening with others and you want them to join you. But if it comes down to it, the 872, yeah, they'll be kindly towards others and they'll kind of try to get things to go their direction. But they still want to go do what they want to do. And because the eight is innately autonomous, that's the foundation. You can't be governed by others, you want to be self-determining, you want to be master and commander of your own world, you will totally pursue what you want. Be nice as a social to have people do it with you, but you're not going to not want to do the things you want to do. And that, that's an important distinction because a lot of sixes that think they're eights would say, oh, no, I just have to be with my friends or no, that'd be too uncomfortable. Or And then you start to hear the the language that's used, like what I saw overall. Now, they're the free spirit. So is the 478. 
What's different is the two kind of knows how to navigate around people better <laughs> than the force planning. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a fundamental all, difference between, between two and four. So when four is added to seven and eight, you get triple creative. When two is added to seven and eight, you get a triple manipulative. And it doesn't mean negative manipulation. Mm-hmm. No, I can understand that. That whole thing happened and it shouldn't because in cultures other than the U.S., especially Latin cultures, they think someone that can get around people's issues so that everyone feels their needs are met is the greatest strength you can have. So they put the two up here. Now, having said that, the eight is like considered the person you want when you want to fight, when you want someone to fight for your land rights or it's very different. But because manipulative was made bad, people didn't realize that every single type is manipulative. We have to be. You know, the minute we're concealing something about ourselves, we're manipulating. We just don't want to own it. That's human nature. Like we have to learn as little children how to lie. And we have to learn to be good at it and not get caught. Because it could be the difference between life and death. If, you know, a warrior tribe or someone unfriendly or was going to take advantage of you, if you knew how to lie successfully, you could say an untrue and then be safer. So everything has meaning. So the other thing about the 278 is they're relational, they're free in their thinking, they're more of a libertine, because they all have access to two, like the eight has aligned to two, two has aligned to eight, and the kind of opposing elements that went on to become harmonics, but the way I learned them is dichotomies is that two and seven are the connection dichotomy. And that's another word reason that you might be saying two words like connection. Because if you have both, it just becomes a part of your vocabulary. And if you consider that two is not understood, really not understood. So when you have the lines to two naturally... And you have seven in the tri-type. There's more of that. Are we connecting, not connecting with the social governs, how you want that connecting to be. And then the other thing is that the seven brings this desire for enjoyment and sevens consciously manipulate. Oh, come on. It'll be more fun. Yeah, I'll do this or I'll do that. And they can just kind of get able to do things. Does it, do you relate to that? And then, yeah, the, absolutely. and then the last but not least is, of course, the eight takes charge. And since everyone of these three types has access to eight, it's a very protective tri-type. And people don't, don't get it mm-hmm. because they just look at my little mini definition. And they think that if I use the word passive, that they're weak and pathetic. No, no, passive right. is out of power. And if I say aggressive, then they think the person's like over the top. No, they're just showing their aggression. But all of us do it. Everyone's aggressive. It's just how are we going to do it? And so with the 478, also a free spirit, but there's more of a need to create, a need to change. 
like the 478 is the change element in the Enneagram. And they like the word messenger. And I agree, even as one, because Mm -hmm. whatever we learn, you have to say it, we have to share with everybody. Yeah. Whether they want to hear (laughs) it or not. Yes. And we find a way to say it, though, that it lures people in, especially if you're the sexual instinct. And then if we very quickly look at the other ones, the 258, on the other hand, all eights are strategists, but they're triple rejection. I'm going to change it and say not rejection the way people think. It's not wanting to give up your autonomy. And all three types want to govern their own world. So they'd rather be rejected than conform. Twos don't conform, eights don't conform, and fives don't conform. So it's really in the beginning when Ted and Kathy came up with which types would be rejection, they were right by center. But as individual types, we have to change the wording because it's will you give up your autonomy? And those three types won't. And then if we look at the two, six, eight, it creates this hero because there's a kind of a rescuer too. They'll know they're that way. And I'm not talking about the way the two rescues, however, two's in the tritype. So it's woven in. And well, they're triple protecting. If six is in a tritype with eight, the six automatically becomes counterphobic. It mm. cancels out the phobic side. Now, yeah. Does that mean that they're never phobic? No. But as a general rule, all sixes have moments of phobia and counterphobia. But people, you say, well, why is someone more counterphobic than the other? It's the tri-type and the instinctual type. So if you have an instinctual type that is sexual and you have a tri-type that is stronger, especially like the 368, which I'll lead into right now, it's the kind of myopic eight because they want their team and the eight wants to be the team leader, but they want a cohesive group. If you think about special forces, they train and train and train to be a unit so that they can operate as one doing different things and they have each other's back. Now, if you have a counterphobic six that is a six, three, eight, they can seem like an eight. And if they're sexual, they really seem like the eight. The stereotype definition sounds exactly like the eight, six, three. Yeah. So that's why the threes and the sixes mistype as eights. Whereas the most unflattering stereotypes sound like the eight, six, four. Well, that's my fault (laughs) because I didn't say enough about what the emotions were. And people just put it like anyone that's emotionally out there is the 864. Not Mm. not so. I have a son who's an 864 and he's intense. No Mm -hmm. question. And if you say something off, it's like, say what? Yeah. <laughs> I'll do that. And I go, no, no, I was talking about that. I go, oh, never mind. And it <laughs> changes on a dime. Yeah. But if someone's unhealthy, they're going to emotionally voice 
what's going on. And if they're an extrovert, that voice is going to be yeah. loud. Yes. If they're an introvert, then they're still going to voice it. Having said that, it's another stereotype because four, six, eights are an interesting combination. It's the most emotional eight because the four and eight have the line of intensity. There's a quality in all three types where they're the fundamental visceral type of each center. So the four is the visceral heart type, the six is the visceral head type, and the eight is the visceral of the visceral types. So it's immediate. We do these like rapid fire questions at the end of the interviews. And one of them is what makes you cry? And interestingly, the eight, six, fours say everything. That's not my experience. Having said that, though, they can be deeply touched by something and kind of be choked up, especially as children. Like if there was a movie with an animal that was set by his mother, <laughs> they would cry. But after, you know, puberty, no. Which eights cry the most? None of them. It's part of the defense strategy to not give someone the power to hurt you. So if you cry, you're thought of as weak. Would it be fair to say as you get healthy, though, the tears become more accessible? Accessible, yeah. It's more that you're more comfortable with your emotions. It doesn't have to be tears. You honor your tender emotions, but Mm. it's still not common for an ape. I would say that's more accurate for me. I can feel my feelings more. I can sit in them longer, but tears are not accessible easily for me, unless I'm exhausted, (laughs) then they're fine. And, you know, when the eight will cry as a child and maybe as an adult is if they're really frustrated. Or humiliated. For me, it's just like There's nothing they can do. Yeah. That happens as a child. And it'll shame the eight no end. Like if they're misrepresented, the eight just can't tolerate that. And they're told they can't say what happened. They're furious. And if you can't say anything, it's like, oh, and you usually say something. What is that something you see often with the eight, four, seven? Like Joe says that when she's embarrassed, she'll, you, well, you get angry first. Yeah, but I'll never do it in front of it. No, but um, you do cry at that. But that's, yeah, the, the anger at being humiliated. Burns. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have that. Like humiliation. Yeah. Well, I, humiliation I is an important part of it. And you should have it, actually. What I would invite maybe you I hide it. <laughs> is to find the way you renamed it in your your own You know what it is? It's it's when I'm when the group that I'm part of or the group that I created pushes me aside. Yeah. That would be my spot. Yeah, yes. that's, that would be my humiliation. Yeah, that would be ultimate humiliation, would it not? But I just see it. I do. Yeah, I think, again, I just get angry. So it's just anger to me. <laughs> yeah. And what we do about it is part of our defense. Also, anger is like an anesthesia. If we're in anger, we're not feeling the pain. So any type could potentially go into anger. But for how long? And if you get in an eight space, it's a big mistake. Like Helen made the mistake of saying, (laughs) if you're dealing with an eight, just get in their face back. I go, no, Helen, you're married to an eight. That makes sense. But other people, if they get into an eight space, 
no, 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 no. If the adrenaline is triggered in anyone, you don't want to get in their face. Mm -hmm. Uh, The 368, the justice fighters, what I was talking about, they're confronting. Whereas the 468 is emoting and confronting simultaneously. The 368 takes great pride in that nothing faces them. They could be interrogated or... I would like that superpower to like not <laughs> let everybody know what I'm thinking at the moment. <laughs> they have to train for it, actually, because okay. they the six in there has to learn mind over matter. Mm-hmm. But once they do and they have dedication from the other people on the team... They really do move as one. So if they're, they make great trial attorneys, anything where you're fighting for justice. And so that's why it matches the stereotype of eight. The three and eight are both focused on results. So when they come together, it's more results oriented. Four, five, eight is really the emotionally argumentative four, seven, eight. It's just the five versus the seven brings a greater desire to get the data and to win an argument. Whereas the seven in the tri-type says, yeah, I don't want to waste my time on argument. Boring. (laughs) Exactly. But four, five, eight, they'll get all their arguments down and they kind of like to stir it up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like Sometimes a a four, five, eight will want to challenge me on something uh, like on Facebook. And I go, I just like to talk about what I enjoy. (laughs) Well, I don't think you're right about this. Actually, I don't say that. Well, (laughs) you don't? (laughs) No, that's not how I teach the Enneagram. They're like, you're no five. (laughs) I'll share anything I've learned, and then you can do whatever you want. But I don't want it. Whereas some people love that. that That's the point, right? For us, the eights, what, what is to share what we know, like we want yeah, to go yeah, and empower yeah. others, right? And but it's usually the four, five, eight that wants to stir it up, not the right. eight, five, four. Right? Okay. Oh, that's interesting. It, it's fascinating because the order, like, yeah, matters, matters. A lot. Yeah. And sometimes the eight becomes softer. So if the eight has four in the tri type, they're softer than an eight that doesn't. And whereas an eight with three, no, remember they're, uh, uh, uh. it's always good for me to have the chance to say more about the tri-types because if you haven't been in my class, you're going to see this written all over Personality Cafe and someone could be a borderline. They think they're a four, six, eight based on one little example. And what I was trying to show is that the sexual four was left out of the dissemination of the Enneagram. And when I met Naranjo, he talked about it and explained the intensity. He even changed Hitler from a six to a four. Haven't heard that before. Yeah. He's a sexual four because it's all about wanting the ideal and becoming furious when things are not we're not the way we want it. So it's an unhealthy expression mm-hmm. of the 468, of mm-hmm. the sexual 468. It's finally a dictator that doesn't get uh, slapped with an eight symbol. Oh, everyone's slapped with eight. Now, having said that, there are a lot of eight. I believe uh, it. Because <laughs> they're good at forming cohorts. Yeah. yeah. They're usually socially. 
But yeah, and there are a lot of twos that were made fours. People don't realize because they're not looking at the defense strategy used. Right. It's looking at the behavior. But four, five, eight's really intellectual. And they want to talk about, you know, the great books. They're comfortable with darker things too, right? Like they're really comfortable with darker content. um, I think that any eight is okay with a negative. The humor of eight is sardonic. Mm -hmm. So you're turning things upside down. But the four or five eight is more like my data is more accurate than yours. They're good debaters. The three, six, eight and the four, five, eight are excellent debaters. And they're usually quick talking, uh, speaking. They're very fast, quick processor. And they have that emotional energy to talk about Mm -hmm. their position in a way. But both types stirred up. That's what can be confusing to others. And they like it. (laughs) They do like it. (laughs) Eights like to be in conflict. That's not true. No, I don't. Eights are just not going to back away from conflict. And that's a very different understanding of eight. We talk a little bit this on the podcast. We, We talk about how we always say we don't care. We don't care. But the truth is not that we don't care. The truth is that we do care. It's just not going to stop us from doing what we feel is right or the thing we're going to do, right? We really care. In fact, when I work with an eight new and they'll always say, I don't care, it doesn't matter. I go, yeah, another fairy tales. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we tell ourselves. But actually, we do care. You have to be another eight to say that. (laughs) It doesn't work with the other types because you have to go, "Mm, nonchalant. Definite yeah. but nonchalant. Yeah. And that's the difference between those that misidentify as eight mm-hmm. and actual eights. There's just a confidence that doesn't need to be pushed right. out. Yeah. And in fact, I think a lot of times we push others forward. When I am responsible for a group of people, I am looking for the people that are, are needed in the positions that are needed. And then I make myself the smallest in the room. Right? Like, that's my goal is to bring everybody else's. But why do you need to be small? Why couldn't you just be neutral? Okay. So maybe it's neutral. It's not that I'm small. Yeah. I'm probably just more neutral. I don't need to take all the credit. I'll, I'll own what's mine. I have no problem owning what's mine, but I don't need to own all of it. And when we come together, it's never going to be all mine when there's multiple people working together. Right. So right. I might have division and I might create the group, but at the end of the day, I've just started something that everybody has contributed to. Yeah, yeah. Well, just like me teaching uh, personal empowerment in the cosmetic industry, the <laughs> aid is going to do what they think will There's put people so they're not disadvantaged. Yes. Because the aid protects the underdog. So however the aid goes about doing that is their own yes. style. Mm-hmm. Like one aid I was working with, from Australia, she said there are two types of weak weak people. And it was like there's two types. So I'm just saying that. <laughs> and the first type is the person that has a handicap or an illness or something and they need help. She said she was a hundred percent there. I wish I could do the Aussie accent with it. <laughs> she said, and then there's this other type of weakness where it's cultivated and manipulating yeah. and they're not weak. And she says, with them, I kind of just want to push them into the 
And in Australia, they don't like the tall poppies. They do this. Yeah, we cut off the tall poppies. <laughs> Threes hate it, hate it there because they want to feed the tall poppy. <laughs> That's right. Whereas the U.S. Uh, is a very social mm-hmm. 3-7-1 culture. So our founding fathers, very puritanical, very one-ish. All our government agencies are very self-pressed one. But our need for 31 flavors of ice cream or mustard, that's all seven. Yeah. Boy, yeah. do we have a lot of variety and choice and options. Mm-hmm. But we see ourselves as the best yeah. and captains of industry. Mm-hmm. And we believe it. And the way we look to other countries is that we're all, hey, look at me. Hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They make fun of us, actually, because when I've taught in other countries, they just say, yeah, you're three. <laughs> yeah, we, so what do, you, what do you think Canada is? Nine. nine. Yeah, that's us. No, it's, it doesn't feel nine these days. Comparatively speaking, the people kind of keeping to their own business and people not creating conflict is a value, is it not? Yeah, it is. Yeah. You're right. Yep. And I think we just, we're always looking to see the other side. Diplomatic, I guess. And multiple sides, wouldn't you say? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like I have clients that are Canadian. I also taught in Canada. And what I noticed is kind of the high side of nine, which is very accepting, very allowing. It was... um, a wonderful intensive because everyone participated and it's not like in the u.s nines can pull away because there are those who move forward like maybe too much and they operated like a group and there were 20 people so it's not like it was tiny no i would say that's pretty accurate like i think one of the things we notice, and this will be the to the three speaking to the three is whenever we're down in the u.s my brother lives in nashville we're in florida frequently and i always come home and it's so apparent the the wealth and the less than right like and you come home and we're all sort of in a big pot. We can of, all wear sweatpants and messy buns and nobody cares. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so, and I have a lot of family in California too, right? And it's just, it's really different. Yeah. And sometimes we go on our podcast things. And I, I remember meeting a person over Zoom once and I was, I said to Joe, like, I, it's just so, it's just so different, right? Like it is, no, it really, really is. And then of course, each area has a tri-type, like the Bay Area where I live right. now, very five. Why? Right. It came from all over the world, beginning yeah. in the 60s for the semiconductors. And the, oh, so yeah. it's yeah. attracted a lot of five or, yeah. or those with five in the tri-type. Right. Whereas I grew up in Newport Beach. <laughs> and we thought everyone was shallow, but we were beach born. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah. You guys, we're just as elitist as anywhere else. No, no, we're not. No, it's those other (laughs) people. We're all elitist about the beach. We went to 54th Street. And then really, the body surfing was better at 52nd. And we moved. (laughs) I thought 54th Street was. (laughs) And it was my boyfriend at the time who was the 
counterphobic 631 social uncracked very very friendly <laughs> and he can get us all to go okay we'll go try it he was always thinking <laughs> something and that's another misnomer thinking that sixes can't lead or make a decision they just don't like it when they're uncertain then all that comes up and you see the indecisiveness but they usually save that for their nearest and dearest but if it's a childhood group of friends from the time you're in kindergarten, yeah, they're going to know that you run anxiety. But, right. you know, back to what each type does, the six conceals their their fear because they don't want it used against them or to be discredited or not seen as smart. There's a lot of good reasons for it. The eights conceal their vulnerability. And we never use the word vulnerability, by the way. Not a single. I don't like it. Yeah, we don't like it at all. It isn't even in our vocabulary until we learn the Enneagram. (laughs) Yeah. So if you say to someone, like when I started working on myself Enneagrammatically, I said, wait, time out. I was being vulnerable and no one noticed. (laughs) And and they said, oh, well, I feel that way all the time. (laughs) I don't. And I, I learned the most important thing is that for each type, when we start doing what's not natural for us, people don't notice. No, I, like, my word for vulnerability is gross. So I'm like, <laughs> I feel gross. And then I know I'm being vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, or pathetic. I'll say uh, that's pathetic. I use pathetic a lot. Yeah. yeah. Another one that we can say is, I usually say weak and pathetic. Weak is fine with us. Mm -hmm. But the word vulnerable, but having said that, it's another way that people mistype because if they know they're vulnerable, then they think, oh, I'm an eight, but eights never use it unless they're teaching the Enneagram. Yeah, that's right. Well, I remember when we started looking into it and both of us are like, I don't think that's true. Yeah. 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 We were in denial. So much denial. (laughs) So much. Denial is a good thing at times. I'm not angry. (laughs) I feel I feel all my feelings. I really do. No, but I do just you let those tender emotions in. No, no, I don't, no. I see they're words. Feelings are just words. <laughs> they don't they don't go out past the blow out my mouth. Yeah, they they kind of are intellectualized or instinctual, but but letting them actually feel the heart <clears throat> because no. as an overall understanding of it, it is act, think, feel. Now, some people actually have act, think, feel. I do. So that's why I'm eight, then seven, then four. But if someone's an eight, four, seven, they're act, feel, think. I'm sure I'm not. Seems I like resonate so. far more with feeling than I do with thinking. And my thinking is harder to access. It seems it like it. in talking with you and yeah. your body language and gestures, so that's what I than the thinking second. When, when the seven is second, with eight, there's a greater voracious need for the new, the novel, the changing. And actually, the whole tri-type, especially if you lead with seven, is the most progressive tri-type. So no one ever knows where they're going. Mm-hmm. And they're always a vanguard of whatever they're doing, regardless of the order. I will say that. But if someone leads with seven then they're the vanguard of vanguards and people aren't really supportive because they don't get it yet. 
And right. when eight is in the lead, the eight is pointing out the weakness in any group, system, and everything, actually. It could be mm-hmm. material, it could be oh, yeah. Yep. yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Is there anything you want to say to our eights before we... Uh... Well, I think the most important thing for eights is to teach people in their lives that if, you, if you've hit a, that point of kind of conflict... You need to tell people you don't like conflict either. But if you feel like you're misrepresented, you'll be conflictual, even if you think you're not. And so it's a matter of teaching those in our lives that we don't want the conflict. Let's look at a third perspective that involves yours, mine, and becomes ours. And that it's hard, but telling people that we're far more sensitive than we're willing to let on. And just because we don't talk emotional words and we don't act in an emotional way doesn't mean we're not feeling them intensely. Because that's universal. Because AIDS cried louder, played harder. Everything was amplified, including the feelings. So that part is true. But it's more sharing that with people. And if you start to grow and change, tell people you're you're not uh, rejecting them. You're just not taking over and taking charge and fixing things but some people won't like it i'm like well i'm just waiting for someone else to step up now and they're like what do you mean you that's your job yeah and we taught them that right we did we taught everyone that we'll take charge we'll handle it thank Thank you you so much nice meeting you guys you too (laughs) that's it for today we hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface And you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor.